We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome in, everybody, to the CFP Nation All-America podcast presented by Twisted Tea. I'm Bill Troche, senior editor at SportingNews.com, alongside Bill Bender, our national college football writer at SportingNews.com. You can follow Bill on Twitter at BillBender92, and you can follow me at Bill Troche. And keep an eye on the main Sporting News account at Sporting News. If you enjoy this podcast, please give us a five-star rating and submit a brief review. It's been a little while since we've had a review on this podcast feed. We do have a decent amount of ratings. That's great. Uh, that would always be helpful for us. Welcome into week eight. We got a viewer's guide. We got a confidence contest. Second half of the year is already here, Bill. We got our midseason. All Americans already on sportingnews.com. You feel like this has been a quick first half of the season? Um. Yeah, I mean, the second half always goes quicker. Once those first playoff rankings come out on Halloween, mm. I think the season speeds up for me a little bit. And we're at a good midpoint. I mean, we get into week eight here. There are a lot of huge games, and the consequences become larger. So, yeah, I, I well, no, yes and no. I mean, yes, I, I would say the second half of the season always goes a little bit quicker for me. It does. Halloween. Halloween. Mark your calendars. It's the first playoff rankings tv show on espn where we find out what the committee is thinking how they're viewing all these undefeated teams i mean it's been amazing that i think 20 of the 25 preseason ap uh top 25 teams 20 of the 25 are in the current ap top 25 so uh, it has followed the script we talked a little bit about uh the, the very few upsets in the top uh, the top 15 teams, uh, they're 70 and one if they're 10 point favorites or more so far this year. So, but we're, I think we're going to head into a chaotic second half uh, where all the good teams are starting to play each other. And that's, that's what we're here for. That's what's, what's going to determine the college football playoff and everything like that. So I will right, we'll get into our viewers guide for week eight. Can't wait. You're going to be in Columbus for the Penn state, Ohio state game. That's going to be a terrific game. Of course, Tennessee, Alabama is the other headliner. Uh, let's get into some Trochi trivia before we get into the viewer's guide. 
Uh, it's a little convoluted, but I think I think you'll get it. Uh, I think you'll have a chance at it anyway. So it has to do with Tennessee and Alabama. I looked up the last time Tennessee won at Alabama. It's been a long time. 2003. They won a five-overtime thriller, 51-43 to 43 over Alabama. And Alabama ended up going 4-9 and nine that year. They played Hawaii, so they had a 13th game. They went 4-9. and nine. So then I decided to look up, well, when's the last time Tennessee won at Alabama when Alabama finished with a winning record? Hmm. Okay. So that was actually 1999. And you should know a little bit about this season because – Alabama went nine and two in the regular season. They won the SEC East, they uh, SEC West. They beat Florida in the SEC championship game, advanced to the Orange Bowl, where Tom Brady and Michigan beat Alabama in the Orange Bowl. Mm-hmm. So they went nine and two in the regular season that year. They lost to Tennessee, like I mentioned. Then they had a shocking non-conference loss. Can you name that? Shocking non-conference loss in 1999 that Alabama suffered. Yeah. That is your tribute. Wow. Okay. All right. We'll see. We'll see if you got it. Um, I'm pretty sure I know. A little bit of a convoluted question there, but uh, I'll be impressed. Is it a Mac school? It is not a Mac school. It's not. Okay. Well, then maybe I don't know. Whoa. whoa. Now he's going to have to start thinking. I'll figure it out along the way. (laughs) All right. So anyway, we will uh, answer that question at the end of the show. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So let's get into our viewer's guide. Uh, We're going to go through the three afternoon, the noon, the afternoon, the evening windows for Saturday. There's no Friday night game like there was last week, the exciting Colorado-Stanford game. So let's jump right into it. The big one, the big, big, big one, uh, number seven, Penn State at number three, Ohio State. That's going to be a noon on Fox, big noon kickoff. Uh, Ohio State is a a four-and-a-half-point favorite. 
And uh, like I said, you will be there with uh, your friend David Jones, who we had on the podcast yesterday, which was great. Uh, the over under 46 and a half. Uh, David uh, yesterday said, take the under in this one. Two really talented defenses going at it, similar to when Ohio State played Notre Dame earlier this season. That was 17-14. Uh, Notre Dame's defense is, is, is better than expected this year. And in the secondary, I think Penn State is two. We've got two first-year starters at QB. Uh, again, David was saying that the, the big difference in this one uh, was at wide receiver. Penn State's receivers don't stand up to Ohio State's. Do you think that will be a huge difference in the game? Yeah, I mean, I think you and I heard two different things from David. Like, what I'm hearing is they don't have receivers that can challenge Ohio State, and if Nick Singleton isn't hitting the hole, then they're in trouble, like, offensively. Now, what I also heard was that this is – if he believes Penn State's defense is better than Notre Dame's, which statistically it is, then Ohio State had some trouble – with them or with Notre Dame. So they should theoretically have some trouble with Penn state. I mean, to me, the X factor is, uh, you know, Marvin Harrison's the best player in the field and uh, he'll make a couple plays. And I just keep rewinding back to that fourth quarter last year where, yeah, it was a tight game until Ohio state pressed down on the turbo button. And it wasn't a tight game. So I, I do think it's going to be tight. I, I think it'll be a little bit higher scoring than David had it, but it's a one score game either way. That line hasn't moved much. So mm-hmm. I think they're daring you to take Penn State a little bit. Like, I feel like Marvin Harrison did not do much against Notre Dame last year. I think Morrison, Brandon Morrison, uh, I mean, Benjamin Morrison um, matched up on him and didn't do much on him this year. So he can be contained by the right secondary. I don't know Penn State's inside now like I do Notre Dame's necessarily, but uh, they've been very good against the pad. They've been very good against everything so far. So I don't know. I think they can contain them. We'll see, especially if they get pressure on McCord. Uh, but you're right. I mean, I, I'm not arguing Penn, uh, Harrison yeah. best player on the field. Sometimes it's hard for a wide receiver to dominate a game, that, especially a defensive-style game. But it might only take one. You know, one play to bust it open, and that can be the difference in the game. What do you think of, you know, actually both of these coaches, how much pressure they're under uh, and what a loss would mean to each of them? Well, I was asked that question on uh, Jacob Hester and Bobby Carpenter's show yesterday, and I said there's way more pressure on Penn State here. Way more pressure on Penn State. Yeah, because they haven't – they had the preseason expectations. They – when are you going to do it? When are you going to get like, I heard these in August and I, you know, I'm very cynical as you know. And I just kept telling you and Elliot all summer, our managing editor, I was like, they, they haven't done it. Like until I see it, I'll believe it. Like they, they've literally beat Ohio state one time under James Franklin. So I think with their team being as good as it is, and they've played close games with Ohio state, they still have to go out and do it. Michigan finally went out and did it last year at Ohio Stadium. They hadn't done it in 22 years. So it was kind of a <clears throat> believe it when I see it moment for them. So, yeah, in Ohio State, if they lose, yeah, they'll be – it's an overreaction. And, yeah, they'll they'll overreact like they always do here in Columbus. But 
they still have Michigan at the end of the year. And if Michigan beats Penn State, then that three-way tiebreaker you were talking about with me before we came on kicks in. And just by my experience, the Buckeyes always find a way there. And whether it's a three-way goofy Big Ten West tiebreaker, they're the only team in this conference that's made the playoff without winning a conference championship. So they always have outs. I don't think Penn State has an out after this game. Yeah, I think you speak exactly what I was going to say in terms of the, these opportunities don't come around all the time for Penn State. You know what I mean? Right. They always do for Ohio State, it feels like. Every year they're going to be in it. This isn't a once-in-a-five-year no. shot, a once-in-a-four-year shot or whatever. Penn State, they did prove it against Ohio State. What was it, 2016? They had their breakthrough. They won the game. They won the Big Ten Championship. So it's not like they've never done it, but the opportunities, yeah, they're few and far between. It's all on the table right here. They've got a window. Uh, They might have a window next year too. Uh, It seems like, you know, a lot of their talent is is coming back, especially at the quarterback position. You always feel good when you're going into these opportunity games to have a veteran quarterback, which they will next year. So, you know, maybe it's a two-year window at a minimum for Penn State, but, they you know, they haven't really – had the talent to finish it off even though they've played them tough they haven't had the talent to finish them off this year they might that's why it feels like it's a you're right i think penn state you got to take advantage of this opportunity this year i mean they haven't and i said this in the summer too they haven't beat ranked ohio state and michigan teams in the same season since 1994 but they haven't to do it right yeah, they've had talent to do it. They had talent in 1999. They had talent in 2011. They had talent in 2008. Like, they've had plenty of teams that were talented enough. They've won Big Ten championships with these teams. And they, in 08 and 09, they, they, they've had Big Ten championship teams. So, yeah, I think they have had the talent to do it. And, and they beat Michigan. I watched them beat Michigan really badly with Saquon Barkley. And then – blow a 10-point lead against Ohio State. So mm-hmm. I, I think if they want to – if Penn State wants to stop being treated like the third wheel of that Big Ten East, which won't matter next year because they're not going to play these guys every year anymore, they've got to go out and do it. And that's why I think there's way more pressure on them to do it. Update us on the, the records we talked about <laughs> before. So it's the tiebreaker goes if they all go one and one against each other. Uh, the tiebreaker that will determine the Big Ten East champion is the Big Ten cumulative Big Ten record of their each team's three West opponents, mm-hmm. right? And so, where does that stand right <laughs> now? Yeah, you you caught it. Uh, I thought it was overall record. So if you re-examine it, so this the Big Ten tie. Let's say they all finish eleven and one, and they all pick off one. So they all split against each other. It would come down to a tiebreaker on the Big Ten website that reads the records of the three or more teams, Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan, will be compared based on the best cumulative conference winning percentage of non-divisional opponents. So you have to take the three Big Ten West opponents these teams play and add up their conference record, which is the dumbest tiebreaker in the history of tiebreakers. Why not just calculate a BCS standing. Anyway, Ohio State's opponents, Minnesota, Purdue, Wisconsin, four and seven. Michigan, Minnesota, Purdue, and Nebraska, three and seven. So it's the same opponents with one difference as Ohio State. Penn State, Illinois, Iowa, Northwestern, five and seven. They have the best records. 
they have the inside track, honestly, with Iowa. If Iowa keeps winning. Yeah, with Iowa doing their thing. because of it. So it's weird, Bill. If you're an Ohio State-Michigan guy, you're rooting for Minnesota to beat Iowa this weekend as an insurance policy in case you lose one of these games. And I think the absurdity of that is just ridiculous. If you go back to 2009 um, or 2008, I'm sorry, you go back to that Big 12 race with Texas Tech, Oklahoma, Texas. They all picked off each other, and it was similar tiebreaker, but when it got to tiebreaker number five, it was BCS standings mm-hmm. at the time. That's what they should do with this. They should do a BCS math or something. But um, And Oklahoma ended up going to the national championship game, by the way, over a Colt McCoy Texas team and a Mike Leach Texas Tech team. So I don't know. I don't know that the big counting on bad Big Ten West football is the best way to determine a Big Ten East champion, but that's how they're going to do it. Could be. Yeah, well, it could come down to that because there's a good chance these guys could all split against each other. We'll see. All right, so that's the first game in the noon window. Not much else. I try to avoid 20-point spreads on our viewer's guide uh, as, a, as a general rule. But uh, well, we've got UCF at number six, Oklahoma, noon on ABC. Oklahoma's a 19-and-a-half-point favorite, so that's slightly below the 20-point the mark there. Um, so that's uh, – UCF, somewhat disappointing this year, but rather than break this game, I want to talk about an issue that's kind of come up in the Big 12. Like the Big 12 newbies, the four teams that have come in, they're one and nine right now against the established Big 12 teams. And the one win was on a 50-yard walk-off Hail Mary. So not a dominant win by Houston over West Virginia by any means. Um, Is this going to be sort of instructive in terms of SMU going to the ACC and stepping up. I remember West Virginia had trouble when they first joined the Big 12. Like when you step up in class, sometimes it's difficult to compete right off the bat, you know, or, you know, this is a situation. All four teams, I looked up the four Big 12 new teams uh, UCF, Houston, Cincinnati, and BYU. They've all been ranked in the top 25. The season end top 25 since 2019, some of them multiple times. Uh, so these are programs that were on good, you know, s- solid footing before they entered the Big 12, but they are really having trouble. Is it a situation where the step up has been too much or we just happen to catch all four teams on a, on a little bit of a down, down season? Well, I mean, a little bit of that, I think. Um And it's an adjustment when you move to a different conference. I mean, Cincinnati has a new coach. BYU, I thought, might be a little bit better. Houston's been kind of in that neutral state for a while. And then UCF, I thought, would be a little bit better. Um, Now, they had an injury to their quarterback, too. And that didn't help. And they don't stop the run. And, you know, the storyline in that game is going to be Dylan Gabriel playing against his old school. But uh, I think you have to adjust when you move to a Power 5 conference. And they're figuring that out. I mean, Cincinnati with Luke Fickle two years ago and the talent that they had, they would have been fine. Fine. So, but we'll see. I mean, they're going to have to grow. And you make a great point because, like, you can walk into a conference, but like for the SMUs and Houston's and schools that aren't necessarily, you know, it's different when Texas walks into the SEC. There are concerns about that, that they're not going to be able to compete. So, yeah, I mean, you raise an interesting point. It's like, 
I was trying to, you know, of all of the realignment that's going to take place next year, there isn't too many group of five stepping up to power five. Actually, I don't think there are any unless except for SMU to the ACC, right? There's no, uh, everything's just power five going to power five. for Yes. For uh, yeah. SMU is the last kind of like team that's going to level up, so to speak. And you know, depending on what happens with Washington State and Oregon State, they could level down essentially and go play right. in the Mountain West. Which, I mean, Oregon State—that's not a Mountain West team, man. They're, that's a that's a Power Five team. The way that they're playing right now, and Washington State—they deserve more respect than that. No question, no question. All right. So, anyway, we'll go to the afternoon window. We expect OU to roll. I assume I do. I don't. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, there's not much to it. I think they. They come off the bye week. They're able to run the football effectively and uh, push to seven and O's. We get closer to the rankings. Mm-hmm. All right. Afternoon window. The other big one on the weekend, number 17, Tennessee at number 11, Alabama, 330 CBS, Alabama, eight and a half point favorite. That was a little high on that. This was, of course, the game of the year last year, uh, but no more Hendon Hooker, no more Bryce Young. Uh, we got Joe Milton and Jalen Milrow this year, so a little different. Last year, there were 101 points scored, uh, 52-49 in regulation, too. No overtime or anything. Uh, the over-under this year is 49, which is what the losing team <laughs> scored last year. Less than half of the over-under. So definitely, it's going to have a different feel to it. Uh, Tennessee, they got a long losing streak at Alabama. They had a long losing streak at Florida, and they couldn't break it, even though they probably have the better team this year. Um, is this the year they can kind of finally end the, at least the Alabama streak? Maybe. Uh, you know, it's going to come down to which team supports their quarterback better. And I know that sounds – well, no kidding. Uh, but, you know, Milton and – These mentioned quarterbacks it. aren't going to win it by themselves. Yeah, this isn't Hendon Hooker and Bryce Young at all. This is two guys that need that support from the running game. And – Tennessee allows 2.9 yards per carry. Alabama allows three yards per carry. These are both top 10 run defenses in that statistic. Um, So which one makes a couple throws on third down and long, which is going to happen and doesn't turn the ball over. So, and Jalen Milrow has been a little bit better than Joe Milton in SEC play. If you look at their efficiency in conference play. So which wasn't expected in the regular in the preseason. I think there were a lot of Joe Milton Heisman pieces floating around that were maybe a little too soon. Um, I do think it's going to be tight. I think Alabama's grinded out formula is going to continue. And if Tennessee has some success running the football, yeah, we'll get a tight game. But I mean, Alabama, like I said, we, we buried them a month ago against Texas. And that's just not till they lose that second one. You can't bury them. This is an elimination game, like as you used yeah. to, like to say, because once you get two losses, you're pretty much eliminated. Both teams come in with one loss. I think Jalen Mil- Milrow, his ability to create when things break down is better than Joe Milton's ability to create when things break down, and that could be a difference maker in this game. And re- let's remember, Penn, uh, Tennessee <clears throat> excuse me, scored 17 points last week. Uh, seven on a punt return for touchdown. So their offense didn't exactly light up Texas A&M. I think A&M's defense and Alabama's defense are fairly similar. So Tennessee, especially on the road, might have a little trouble scoring. Um, 
but it should be really, really competitive. And like I said, this is uh, both Penn State, Ohio State, and Tennessee, Alabama are not going to be in the 40-point range. That's that's good for you, Bill. That's the kind of game that you like It's the lower scoring. Yes, because it's actual football games. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it'll be fun. I think that one will be in the 20s as well. Dallas Turner is starting to emerge as the best defensive player in the country. He made SN's midseason All-American team. Alabama's defense is actually if they both of these teams have problems with penalties too. So keep an eye on that. Last year that was a big story in this game. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Are you ready to elevate your college football game day experience? Check out Twisted Tea, your go-to game day beverage for college football fans. Twisted Tea is unlike any hard beverage you've had before. It's made with real brewed tea and packs a powerful punch with 5% alcohol and no carbonation, delivering the perfect balance of taste and refreshment that goes down smooth for every game day occasion. No need to settle for the usual. Twisted Tea turns up any occasion, especially when you're cheering for your favorite team. Whether you're tailgating in the stadium parking lot, watching at a bar, or hosting friends at home, Twisted Tea is there to elevate game day experience. It perfectly complements your love for college football and your passion for creating unforgettable moments. So let's toast to unforgettable game day experiences. Twisted Tea, the drink that fuels fun and celebrates your love for college football. Keep it twisted. All right. Also, moving on, Washington State at number nine, Oregon. Another good game, 330 ABC, although this one is a 20-point favorite. Oregon comes in as... Uh, 20 point favorite, um, but there's not a ton of uh, other afternoon games we can look at. So uh, we're going to break this one down. Uh, a few weeks ago, this would not have been a 20 point spread, uh, but the Cougars have uh, had a bit of a fall from grace since they were ranked number 13. They were 4 0, and with wins over Wisconsin and Oregon State, so they've been punished since. Uh, they lost to UCLA, and then they uh, got crushed by Arizona. Shout out Jed Fish, 44-6 to six last they week. They did. Arizona's a good football team. I know. They are. They are. So uh, last year, um, I looked at Oregon coming off the heartbreaking loss to Washington because they had the same situation last year. Now they're coming in again uh, off a uh, heartbreaking loss to Washington. They beat Utah, but it was only 20-17 to 17 at home. That was the only time last year. Oregon failed to score at least 34 points in the regular season. They came up at 20. They had three turnovers. So point is, they kind of had a hangover last year after their Washington game. Uh, we may see that again. What do you think? I think Oregon's going to crush them. <laughs> I do. I think they're going to crush them. I think they're going to blow them out. I think Cougars have struggled with turnovers the last two weeks. Washington State has 47 rushing yards in their last two games. And it's one thing to be a pass-all-the-time team, but that creates the rush. If they can't run the ball here, they're going to get crushed. I think Oregon takes out the frustration of last week's loss. 
they've won big in their home games. Um, I mean, this was one that I didn't really, when I was doing picks earlier this week, I just, once I saw that rushing statistic, I, and I like Washington State, I like Cameron Ward, and I like what they're doing, but I think Oregon, after last week, if we're going to see an Oregon-Washington rematch, which I think we very well could, they're going to crush teams all the way through. And, and I do. I think it's common. So I, I could see a big win for the Ducks here. All right. Well, let's go to the evening window. Number 16, Duke at number four, Florida State. 730 ABC, Florida State, 13.5-point favorite. Uh, Riley Leonard still questionable with the ankle sprain from what I read yesterday. It will be three weeks since he suffered the injury against Notre Dame when they kick it off on Saturday night. You know, running is a big part of his game, mobility. Duke's defense did everything it needed to do last week against NC State. They won 24-3. to Leonard's replacement, Henry Bellin, the fourth, completed four passes in 13 attempts, but they did gain 107 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, but the point is, it's definitely a downgrade at the quarterback position if Leonard is not able to go. Florida State's defense looked uh, better than the offense in a 41-3 to uh, blowout of Syracuse. Johnny Wilson didn't play in that game. He should be back for this one. They're a great wide receiver. Keon Coleman was a total stud against Syracuse. Really good. Jordan Travis, he can be spotty, uh, but the running game was there. So it'll be interesting to see if Duke's defense can slow down this offense especially with it full strength with johnny wilson back yep uh you know you saw florida state last week i, I think it's on them to lose that spread looks high knowing that elko they, they, they haven't been blown out yet they haven't lost a game by more than double digits so in two uh, years right that's crazy and if riley leonard plays i think that they can hang in this game so it'll be interesting to see how they manage that environment at night one and then how Florida State responds because I think Duke's going to play them really tough Uh, this could be I don't think it'll be the ACC championship game because I just don't think the schedule will work out for Duke that way but this will have that kind of feel to it it's going to be a really good game yeah I wish we could see it with Leonard at full strength because I feel like even if he does play he's probably not going to be as mobile as usual but that you know Elko said he's been throwing he's been out there and everything so Hopefully he can get out there. Um, they're just listing him as day to day. So that's that's a tough spread, like without knowing whether or not he's gonna play. I mean, he's probably worth four or five points towards the spread, wouldn't you say? Uh yeah. I mean, he's yeah, definitely. Uh I that's one of those tough to pick games when I picked those earlier in the week that yeah. you don't know. I mean, my instinct is to pick Duke to cover. I want I'm looking, I'm gonna scroll down here and see what I picked. Uh <laughs> I can't have. No, I'm all mixed up. I know I picked that game. Where's it at? Hold on. I want to see what I picked earlier in the week because it was Monday and not known. I put 31 to 21. And that was with the assumption that Leonard's playing. I think it could yeah. be tighter than that if Leonard plays. Yeah. But you got to like guess that early in the week. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Another uh, evening game. I know you want to talk about this game. It's 24 and a half point spread, but it's number two, Michigan. At Michigan State, 7.30 NBC. Plenty of storylines with this one. Michigan has won 19 straight Big Ten games since losing to Kenneth Walker in Michigan State two years ago in East Lansing. 
one of those games was last year's 29 to seven win over the Spartans. That was overshadowed, of course, by the tunnel brawl post game. It's uh, eight Michigan State players suspended for essentially assaulting two Michigan players. Uh, one other note in this game, and I'll give it to you. In 2020, Michigan was also favored by 24 and a half points, and they actually lost the game 27 to 24. How do you see it? I mean, I, I know better. I know that that spread's way too high. Uh, you know, Michigan hasn't won any slanting by more than 24 points since 1985. And that's when Jim Harbaugh was the quarterback, by the way. They won a 31 nothing blowout. Um, this is Michigan State's bowl game. This is Michigan State's all-in moment. Mark D'Antonio is in that building now. Uh, I think could Michigan dust them off and beat them 45-10 to 10 like they have everybody else in Big Ten play? Sure. But I just yeah, weird things happen with that rivalry. They always have uh, Michigan State third best third down percentage on defense. They're pretty good on defense. Then I think they'll play off the crowd. I think it will be a very similar game to last year where Michigan won and was in control, but the Spartans held them to a couple field goals and made them. Run. Yeah, it was yeah. a grind. I remember it was. And as for the stuff afterward, I, I mean, if anything even close to that happens, and we wrote about this last fall, if anything even close to that happens, I would – tell them we're not playing this game for like five years. If I was uh, Tony Petiti say, Nope, we're done. We're not doing that on TV anymore. And it's becoming an epidemic a little bit. Like I saw three NFL games where they had pregame altercations. I would just fine or suspend people because all it takes, especially in the NFL is one of those players to get hurt. Like an Austin Eckler to tear his ACL. Oh, that, that accomplished a lot. Um, yeah, I, I think they need to tone down some of that in this game. And I know that these fan bases don't like each other. I've been to this game. It's it's any Michigan, Michigan State writer will tell you, this is nastier than Ohio State, Michigan. It's not a better game, but it's as far as the dynamics of it, way nastier. And, uh, you know, they need to tone it down. So, but yeah, like you said, I think they, they'll grind it out. But and so when I saw 24 and a half, it's like Spartans, easy. I think they're going to cover. All right. All right. All right. Let's move over to Fox. Number 14, Utah at number 18, USC. USC is a seven-point favorite. Again, eight o'clock kick on Fox. Utah has beaten USC three times in the last two years. Uh, But the Trojans still come in as a seven-point favorite. Utah has scored 42, 43, and 47 points in those three games. Uh, but this Utah team, not known for living in the 40s on offense. Um, those three games are obviously with Cam Rising. Uh, that's not happening this year. His injury is obviously more serious than they talked about in the summertime. Like, it's been a weird thing. He, they were, he was questionable for Florida to start the season, and now it's kind of come out that it was a total reconstruction of his knee. So I don't know if – Kyle Whittingham was trying to play games with Florida, trying to play games with all their opponents who are not sure whether or not he's going to play, but um, it seems like he's not going to play the whole year. Um, but, uh, you know, Utah's it's, it's more of an Iowa team this year right now. Fifth in the nation in scoring defense at 12.2, 112th in scoring offense at uh, 21.7. So uh, one other comparison, Utah has 16 touchdowns. USC has 45 
but we saw what happened when USC played a legit D last week. Uh, it didn't go so well. Uh, so we'll see what happens with Utah. Yeah, it, it'll be a good game. This is another elimination game, and and these are Utah's offense. Not great. I think I actually kind of feel like USC might win this one handily too um, as a response to how poorly they played last week. But it'll end up being a touchdown game. This Utah defense is very good, allows 12.2 points per game. But I don't know if their offense will be able to keep up on the road, especially against, you know, you saw mad Caleb Williams looked in that press conference. I think this USC team comes out with a little more focus, especially on the offensive side, and makes it tough for the Utah Utes to keep up. All right, one final game to keep an eye on. Clemson at Miami, uh, 8 o'clock on the ACC Network. Clemson, three-point favorite. Uh, Clemson is number five in the nation in total defense. Uh, they lost that opener to Duke and lost to Florida State when the kicker missed a field goal in regulation. They, they ended up losing in overtime. I'm surprised they're not ranked at this point at four and two. I feel like their losses were very similar to Notre Dame's. Two losses to Ohio State and then Louisville was the – there's some equivalencies there. Notre Dame never fell out of the polls. Um, but they don't have the big win like Notre Dame got last week. So we'll see if they get back in this week. Uh, Miami had a 17-14 lead last week on on UNC at halftime. Uh, and that included a fumble going into the end zone that uh, would have put them up, you know, given them seven more points in the first half. But UNC totally took control in the third quarter. Miami was minus four in the turnovers against North Carolina. And that's not going to win you too many games. Uh, Miami has 12 giveaways this year, which is 100th in the nation. Uh, Mario Cristobal comes in 0-5 in ACC home games since arriving at Miami. Can he get it to 1-5 this week? Um, I doubt it. I, I think Clemson, like you said, uh, right on the edge of being ranked. We had him 26 in our 1-133, to and they're – haven't been talked about at all in that ACC championship picture. Um, they'll they'll still hang around. I think Miami's in trouble. Uh, just another tough game for them here. And Clemson's just kind of quietly gone about their business and and um, tough to beat at home. We all know that. So and that's something that North Carolina is going to have to contend with here in a few weeks as well. Yeah. So. All right, well, uh, let's get to our confidence contest. I went 2-2-1 two, two, and one last week. You went 2-3. and three. You got your five-pointer, though, in North Carolina, the game we just talked about. Uh, I ended up with eight points. You ended up with seven points. Reminder, our scoring system, we go 5-4-3-2-1. Against the spread, any game you want, you get five points for the top pick, four points for your next pick, and you go down bowl confidence style. Uh, season tally, I have 47. You have 44. It is still a race. So let's get into picks for this week. I will uh, be the secretary for us. Write them down. What is your five-pointer this week uh, for week eight? I'll do Ohio State minus four. That line ticked down. I'll take the value. And, again, they're daring you wait, because – let me, let, me let me just get the uh... – the latest line because it's, it's four and a half. I had four on a bet MGM before I came on. I'll take four and a half. It don't matter. I'll take it either way. I just want to uh, four and a half bet MGM. 
four on DraftKings, four and a half bet MGM. <laughs> oh, it's four and a half now. It must have ticked back up. Uh, okay. okay. Well, I don't care. Either way, it doesn't matter. I'll take Ohio State. Yeah, Ohio State, four and a half. And they've won the last by four by an average of 11 and a half. So um, I think they keep it going. All right. My five pointer, and you are not going to agree with it. So that's going to be interesting. I'm going with Washington State. Plus 20, okay. Oregon. Uh, I got the hangover effect that I mentioned. I think Washington State is better than they showed against Arizona. I think you're always – you're not as bad as your worst game. You know, it's as good as your best game. I think Arizona was their worst game. I think they're going to regroup. Last year, this was a 44-41 game. So I'm going to take the 20 and just gamble that uh, Oregon's a little hungover. They'll still win, but I don't think they'll win by three touchdowns. That's a good bet. I mean, it, it could come out that way. Um, for my four, Iowa three and a half, minus three and a half. I mean, they're going to have to score a touchdown for that to happen. But these Iowa-Minnesota games have been tough and tight, but Iowa wins those games. I think they hold on to the Floyd of Rosedale. It went down from five and a half to three and a half. So I'm going to take the value with the Hawkeyes and that high powered offense. Well, I think it's because Eric all is out. That's probably why it came down, you know? Well, they don't, they don't throw to anybody. Only at Iowa would a tight end uh, uh, affect the spread by two points. Well, they've had tight games with Minnesota. So I think that one will be no exception, but, uh, Kirk's had a little bit of an edge on PJ Fleck in those ones. So I'll go to the Hawkeyes, uh, minus three and a half. All right. All right. This is going to be an interesting week. Four pointer for me is Clemson, minus three and a half at Miami. Uh, Clemson has won the last four games in this series by an average of 29 and a half points. Uh, Miami's more talented this time around, and Clemson's offense isn't exactly clicking, but I think Clemson wins by at least 10. And like I said, Crystal Ball has not won a league home game yet, and I don't think it starts with Clemson. No, that's, that's a good call. Uh, my three will be Navy 10.5, plus 10.5 against Air Force. Um, yeah. Commander and Chief, Chiefs trophy game, Air Force is out without their quarterback. He was hurt right. late in the Wyoming game. Yeah. These are two option teams. They typically play close games. And Navy isn't the Navy that we watched Notre Dame be. Like, Navy, that was – not a fair representation of Navy. I think they'll play a tight game here. It's at Navy. Uh, weather could be a factor. I'll go with the midshipmen to cover the 10 and a half. And they might even win that one outright. I like that one. I like that one. Okay. Uh, I am going Utah on the road, plus seven at USC. Another one I don't think you agree with. They uh, There were kind of bad vibes around the whole USC program before the Notre Dame game. And now I can't imagine uh, they're any better. Uh, they play a team that has no fear of them whatsoever, even without rising, I don't think, especially with the, the three wins. They've beat them in Salt Lake City. They've beat them in Los Angeles. They beat them in Las Vegas. Uh, you know, I, USC might win. I don't think they're going to win by more than a touchdown. So I'm going to take the seven on the road. Yeah, I mean, that's – again, that's not a bad call. I just I'm, – I'm going more off. I, I just feel like it could go the other way, but – that will be on USC and Oregon to prove that they are playoff slash Pac-12 championship caliber teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, for my two, I got Oklahoma State plus three and a half against West Virginia. Cowboys have heated up a little bit, and they have. Uh, they they uh, they're an interesting team. So I, I think 
they could crawl into this Big 12 picture and be a spoiler. And nobody was more vocal about, you know, Oklahoma in the offseason than Oklahoma State. And, and for them to rip off a couple wins against Kansas and Kansas State, they weren't supposed to beat them. And I think they beat a West Virginia team that just lost on a Hail Mary on the road outright. So I'm going to go with the three and a half there. Yeah, they Oklahoma State, they look like they were in total disarray for a while. So right. I'm surprised they've turned it around, but they have. Good for them. And, uh, yeah, that's a good call. I'm going for my fourth road team out of four. out of, And I'm, I think I'm going to take five road teams. But uh, swing game for us, Bill. Minnesota, plus three and a half at Sorry. Iowa. My point, Iowa cannot keep winning like this. Eric All is out. They're down to their second string QB, their fourth string tight end. And I looked this stat up, actually tweeted it out. Iowa is last in the nation in total offense. The last five teams that finished last in the nation in total offense have a combined record of eight and 52. New Mexico two and ten, New Mexico three and nine, Akron zero and twelve, UTSA three and nine, UTEP zero and twelve. You cannot keep winning all your games like this. That's my analysis. At some point, they're going to lose one of these games. I'm going to take three and a half points with Minnesota. <laughs> Minnesota has not won in Iowa City since 1999. I mean, I, I'm going off that. Like they, okay. right. they, they've won eight in a row. It'll be, it'll be ugly. I mean, and you. You're, you're, flipping a coin. you're flipping a coin with a game that's going to be that low scoring because it lit, we were talking about Ohio State-Penn State earlier. This one literally could come down to one or two plays, um, like Iowa-Wisconsin did with the big run last week. Um, for my one, I'm going to go – I mean, I'll put my money where my mouth is. I think Michigan State covers 24-and-a-half. I don't think they win. I don't – you know, I think they just – I've been at a couple of those where – you know, the Michigan fans just want blood, and they want they want to just slaughter Michigan State so bad. I saw Taylor Lewan's tweet last night. I mean, it's that exemplifies what they want here. Um, and I think the Spartans, like the moral victory would be like losing 31 to 10, which I think is going to happen. I think it's going to be 31 to 10, 28 to 10 type game. The Spartans use a couple trick plays early. They might, like Indiana did last week, and um, – it just looks too high for that rivalry game. And I, I'm going to go with the Spartans at home at night, 24 and a half. I, I'll take my chances with it. Michigan still wins the game, though, goes into their bye week at 8-0. All right. My <clears throat> one-pointer, another swing game for us. I'm going with Penn State plus four and a half. I'm taking points and I'm taking road teams this week. That uh, seems to be my theory. I see – a three-point game, a four-point game, either way. I like the hook of the half a point. I like Penn State's secondary. I like them getting after McCord. I feel like Penn State's due. You know, this is their chance. And like I said, they might not even, they might not win, but I like getting at least four and a half uh, in this game. I feel like it's going to be close. It's going to be low scoring, and that's going to be my one-pointer. That's, that's uh, not a bad pick, but, I mean, like I said, I, I – your five pointer, my one pointer. So we'll I'm pretty. See. I'm pretty. I'm always believe it when I see it, and if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But it's <laughs> show me you can do it. I mean, you haven't been able to do it in 12 years. So show All me right. you going in there win. It should be good. It should. Oh, it's going to be great. I'm so glad you're going to be there. We're going to have great coverage at SportingNews.com.
and uh, make sure you tune into that on Saturday. Bill will have all the post-game reaction from Columbus. So we will revisit now the Trochi trivia question. It's in 1999, Alabama lost to Tennessee. They only lost one other regular season game that year before winning the SEC championship and then losing the Orange Bowl by one point to Mr. Tom Brady and Michigan. Memorable season. Early in the year, they suffered a pretty shocking loss. And I'm going to see if Bill can name that second loss uh, in addition to losing to Tennessee at home. Who was their second regular season loss that season? I don't have it. I had Northern Illinois as my answer, but that was later. I, I like thinking through it. That I know that was later. That was probably early 2000s when that one had. I'll guess Southern Mississippi, knowing that's probably not right either, although I know they beat Alabama there a while back. They did, uh, but the answer is Louisiana Tech. Oh, yeah. 29-28, I believe Louisiana Tech uh, went for two at the very end and got it and uh, pulled off the crazy upset. So Louisiana Tech is the answer. That's a good one. My buddy Sean Fox down in Ruston probably knows that one. Um, well, yeah, no, I, I, but I know Northern Illinois got them either 01, 03, somewhere around there. They, they, there's a lot of, there's a lot of surprises, yeah. especially when we're so ingrained in the Saban era that you can't picture. And right. That year they went four and nine, they lost to Hawaii, which was one of them. Southern Miss as Oof. well. I mean, That's it was not gonna happen. Yeah. amazing. So, anyway, all right. Well, That'll do it for today's show. Thank you to everyone for listening to the CFB Nation All-America Podcast brought to you by Twisted Tea on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thank you to Irish Breakdown, your source for Notre Dame football information. Uh, Thank you again for listening. Enjoy the rest of your day, and we will see you soon.